morning, everyone. Here's where my dad's at. None? There's no dads here today at all? Happy Father's Day. All you ghost dads out there. Huh? Real quick, while we're waiting for some dads to get settled, Melinda, show us a little bit about dads. It's here for the dads. There you go. Give a shout out to Chad back there. Nice job yesterday dancing, buddy. That's right. We found out Chad's got anybody, some moves. Anybody got a chance to use it? It's awesome. Yeah. Right, Sonia? <laughs> All right. You want to start this party? Let's start the party. All right. Everybody get on up. Now, see, as you can see, it's Father's Day. Some of our uh, guys had to work. Some had to be away with some, some other things. So you guys are going to, as always, going to be, we're going to have an audience of one, right? We're going to sing to the Lord. And we're just going to um, bless his holy name. I ask that you just close your eyes real quick as we get ready to go into this. Lord God, we just are, are here right now. We, uh, um, we just want to thank you for this day where we celebrate those, um, those fathers in our lives who have who've just set the godly examples that have helped shape us into who, um, into who we need to be. And... Um, and so, God, during this time, we just ask that we just stop and we focus on the greatest Father of all, and that's you, Lord God. And, um, and God, uh, when we stop and I think of my own kids, and um, no matter what they do and where they may go, God, I'm, I'm, I'm in awe of the fact that you would give your son for, not for those who, who, uh, that, that just honor you and, and just always never turn from you, but for, for those who did the wrong things to you. And that's me, because I've sinned and as the scripture says, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And yet, you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus. And so, God, during this time right now, let us just honor you with our, with our song, with our, with our mind, and with our heart. May we be ready for worship, whether we're here to, together today or whether we're traveling and, um, and are joining with church online. May your Holy Spirit just bind us together as your church. For, God, we, for that, God, we give you praise in all things. Amen. Let the mountains move We come with expectation Waiting here for you
Lord of all creation, and still you know my heart, the author of salvation. You've loved us from the start. Waiting here for you with our hands lifted high in praise, and it's you. your presence all we need is you waiting here for you with our hands lifted high in praise and it's you Everybody waiting here for you.
Yeah, it's supposed to be a little more seamless than that, but hey.
Your love never fails. Cable three again. Sorry, we didn't have a conversation with Just kind of sing along with this song. Just talk about God's un- undying love for us. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Let's hear you me. singing that love. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Higher than the mountains that I face And stronger than the power of the grave And constant in the trial and the change One thing remains One thing It never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love. Sing it out. And on and on, and on.
never runs out on me. All right, sing it to your Father in heaven. Tell him. Never gives up. Never runs out on me. God, we just want to thank you right now that um, no matter what happens in our lives, no matter whether the storms of life are just uh, attacking us or whether we just feel like we've fallen so far away from you or you're so distant, uh, we know you're not the one who, who has moved. It's been us, and, and life sometimes to just tends to send us downstream sometimes. Um, and so, God, right now we're just here today, and I just pray the one thing, that um, somebody will reconnect to their daddy, their daddy in heaven here that is just... Your love never runs out. It never fails. It never gives up. Um, and, and so, God, we just thank you for that. Thank you for just for following us and checking on us and finding us and just bringing us back into you. And so, God, we love you. And uh, we just set this in complete time aside for you. And thank you for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, before anybody goes anywhere, I want everybody to have a seat, even before our kids go anywhere. We're going to do something. If you are a father, stand up or raise your hand or something. If you can stand up, go ahead and stand up. All right? And stay standing. Okay? There's dads. All right? L- stay standing. Liz, ha- we, have some- we have a gift for you. Liz and others, uh, Lisa, are passing things out to you. All right? All right? All right. Look at those dads here. That's awesome. Awesome to see, dads. Don't forget the ones in the back there. Lisa, you take care of them. All right. Anybody told to stand up and you're like in shock right now? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate that with you, I guess. Um, okay. Um, all right. Remain standing or your hand up if you are a grandfather. Grandfathers. The grandfather section is here and there's some others. There we go. Okay. Remain standing if you are a great-grandfather. There we go. There's two there. Uh, oh, and right back there, Gary. All right. Now let me just try it. Great, great. Two. All right. Should we try this one? Great, great, Gary. All right. Congrats here for them. Congratulations. Way to go. We thank you for our, our fathers grandfathers and, um, and all those other kinds of things. All right. So at this time, what we're going to do, since those of you are fathers and there are mothers that were involved in this, now children can go to our Shoreline ministry. That's how that works, in case you don't know. All right. Our Shoreline Sunday School ministry. Go ahead. And, they, and um, they, they'll have a good time there. Jill. 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 Announcement. No problem. All right. Good morning. Why do we we always say that? Good morning. Like remember Seinfeld? Anybody want a Seinfeld fan? You're so good looking. How about that? We'll start with that one. All right. Somebody's like, what? Seinfeld. Uh, All right. 
Again, welcome. If you're visiting with us today, welcome. We're glad that you're here, whether you're joining us for an online church for the first time, or maybe you've been joining us for a while, or if you're just here for the first time, we are so glad that you're here. We, um, we don't believe that you are a, uh, a, a mistake. We believe God brought you here um, ultimately for you so that you can connect to him in a powerful and mighty way um, here today. If you uh, came in and you're visiting, hopefully you received a card, uh, and that card is, if you'll just fill that out, we want to hear your responses, want to welcome you officially. So by doing so, we have a small gift for you. Just take that out to the back on this side, and there will be somebody from our, um, our host team that will greet you and, um, and, thank, and have a gift for you. So thank you for being here. You can take a look at some of these other announcements that we have in here. Today is the Parish Foundation, correct? Are we all good? Awesome. That's awesome. Today's Father's Day, and I know sometimes that's, that gets a lot more difficult to have those uh, people volunteer because I know that everybody has family things. So I really, really appreciate everybody uh, contributing to that and connecting with them as well. Again, I mentioned the host team. If you'd like to connect with them and be a smiling face and, uh, and help people, um, and also just to be in the, in the parking lot in case anything goes on uh, or somebody falls. We've had that happen in the past, too. That they're usually right there, and so we want to th- uh, thank God for you. Um, middle school teacher needed. We still need a middle school teacher. Um, or you can say it this way. If you have middle school teachers, if two of you uh, or two or three of you are gathered, then you don't have to do it every week, every other week. You can share that. And it's a, if you want to feel young, I'm going to sell it this way. If you want to feel young, that's a great way to, great way to do that, all right? Or old. Um, all right, next Sunday, and I'm going to talk more about this in the message today. Next Sunday, we have our annual official go down to Northeast Park um, baptismal service. Um, this is for people who um, have never been baptized or those who want to reaffirm their baptism. Uh, if, you've t- if you've taken part in that before, we definitely welcome you. If you want to do that again, just to really say, God, I just really want to reconnect. We're not rebaptizing you. There's all kinds of theological stuff there. But um, for those who haven't gone through the process before, we give you a shirt if you've never gone through that process again um, a- as part of that. And we need to know that. Are the sign-ups still out here? Are they going around? So there was a clipboard somewhere. If you need to go ahead, there's also information. You can go ahead and email uh, Debbie D. Virgilio so we know um, what size shirt and all kinds of other things there. All right? And it'll be right after church, and we'll head there. Now, for the men, for the men, how many of you like to eat? Who likes to eat, men? All right? Okay, so I see some of the ladies laying. Why aren't you raising your hand? Okay. <laughs> but if you like to eat, this is open to any, any male. Um, and we are having our men's bar- men's group barbecue at uh, Keith Edwards' house. And you can see the information there. And also Fred Leeds, contact Fred. Is not, has to work today, so he's not here. But we'd love for everybody right after the baptism to head on over and to go ahead and take part of that. Just give us time to really just hang out and, and spend some time with each other. You can look at the... Uh, the annual baby bottle drive, and if you, did they do good, you know? Okay, so if, I will let you know, if you don't bring them in, Judy will hunt you down. Um, she has a tracking device in each one of those baby bottles that you took, um, and she has GPS pro, uh, positioning. No, but um, we, we received those on Mother's Day, and we've asked you to bring those back so that we can go ahead and give that to the pregnancy center to help them uh, as well. Um, also, look at the other items for Parish Foundation as you will. All right, anything else that we need to mention? Uh, there is VBS, Vacation Bible School, um, will begin tomorrow. Uh, so if you're interested in that, I know they're still doing registration. If you forgot, bring them. We'll take care of that. But if at all possible, you can register. That would be awesome. You can do it here, or you can also do it online. Um, the, the director of the VBS 
which is my wife, told me that, um, asked if we could move this whole section of chairs against the, uh, against the walls uh, or like, you know, in some way, um, you know, stack them up and everything, and then every other row on the sides, all right? So that's what I was told. So please do that for me. If you love me and you care, please do that for me, all right? So there we go. Um, all right, so, but we've had a great time at VBS. Make sure that, and if you have neighbor kids and others that um, would like, that you think might be part of that, talk to them. Um, this year, it's going to be Joseph. The, the story's going to be Joseph, and they're going to be talking about Egypt and other kinds of things. And you can see, um, we use, if you're visiting today, we usually don't have it looking like Egypt in here. Um, but I do know one of the songs is going to be Walk Like an Egyptian. So if you, and some of the kids are like, what? But some of the old people are like, oh, the bangles. Okay, so um, explain the bangles to anybody under 25. Okay? Um, all right, so, so that's, we have some really cool things going on there. Please go ahead and connect the best you can. Um, we also, now we move to our time of prayer concerns. Uh, for Emily Hewitt has asked for prayers for Ronnie Meyer. Donna and Bill um, have asked prayers for uh, David Stoppel, who has an infection after surgery. And so we want to... Um, and many of you know some of those infections can be really, really serious. And Nikki Sinelli, um, Nikki has asked for um, good recovery for her mom and, pr- and prayers, a praise that the surgery went well. So she's doing well. Remember, she asked for prayers last week. And, um, and knowing her, she's probably watching now. Um, so, hi, maybe. We'll say, but she'll say it later and we'll say hi. All right, do we have any other prayers that we need to add to the prayer list? Oh, yes, also continue for prayers for Billy Ross who was in that very serious accident, and also for John Campus, who was in a rehabilitation from his accident as well. Yes? Okay. Wendy Wright for the loss of her two, uh, 22-year-old son. All right. So we want to definitely lift them up in prayers. All right. Okay. Uh, if you would, bow your heads, and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we... Um, we just t- stop to, to pause to, number one, thank you for who you are. And to thank, we, as we started this time, to thank you for, for all the fathers and others who, are, uh, who just represent that in our lives. And um, we thank you for them. But God, in the midst of that and in the midst of the joys and, uh, and the many blessings that you've given us, we recognize that there are our prayer concerns. There are needs. And you are the answer to all of them. God, for those who doubt, give them your clarity. Give them, for those who worry, give them your peace. For those who have a loss, just fill that void as you promised you would. And restore that, that pain and sorrow with, with joy. So God, um, so, many, so many concerns. We have people who've come through surgeries and you've been there. Others who are experiencing loss. Others who are dealing with financial struggles. Others who may on this Father's Day have struggled with issues with an abusive father or, or an absentee father or, or just they love their father and maybe they passed away or, or that there's many, many miles between them. And God, whatever it is, every single one of us is here and every single one of us is watching because we need you. We need something from you. Our lives are, are void without you. So during this time, God, I want you to speak to our hearts and to our minds. Because as I said, you have, apart from most of the world, you have blessed us so richly. And so that's why we just take time as we continue our worship time to go ahead and, and give back a, a portion of, of our, our, our gifts and blessings to you and 
form of your tithe and our offerings. And God, we want to test you on this. We're not doing it so that we can collect money here and, and say, oh, look at Haven, look at Haven. It's not about us. It's all about you, God. So Jesus, I just move by your Holy Spirit and send your Holy Spirit on both the giver and the tither so that we can meet these many needs around the world so other lives can be changed. God, we, oh, we don't have to stop for five seconds just to realize the issues that we have in our community and our world. And so right now, God, we need revival in our, in our country. We need a revival in our state. We need a revival in our, in our home and in our town and in our county. May the name of Jesus be lifted higher and higher. And may we be part of that process. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Take out of your wasted honor Every little past frustration Take all of your so-called problems Better put them in quotations Say what you need to say 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 Walking like a one man me fighting with the shadows in your hand living at the same old moment knowing you'd be better off instead if you could only say what you need to say 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 Say what you need to say. 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 Have no fear for giving in. Have no fear for giving over. And though in the end, it's better to say too much. Never to say what you need to say again Even if your hands are shaking And your faith is broken Even as the eyes are closing do with a heart wide open. Why? Say what you need to say. 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 Say what you need to say.
what you need to say. Say what you need to say. Good morning. Our scripture this morning is Matthew 13, verses 3 through 9, and then verses 18 through 23. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the paths, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Oh no, what was this guy's name? Is it Mike? It's not Johnny. Mike? Oh, this is gonna be awkward. Uh... Ah, Tug! Hey, 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 what's up? Uh, What's up, champ? How you doing? Oh, good, man. Hey, how's Clara, huh? Good, good, bro. Uh, You know, she's doing good, and uh, yeah, man. I can't say anything more than that. (laughs) All right, listen, I gotta go, all right? Yeah, man. Good to see you, homie. All right. Yeah, bro. All right, bro. I've known him 20 years. Hey, man. What's up? Oh, not much, man. You thinking lunch a little later? Oh, read my mind. Yes, that would be fantastic. I am... No, 11.45 sounds good. We could do Chipotle or we could do pizza or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool, cool. Yes, yes. Hey, man. Dude. Dog. I got to run. I'll catch you next week, man, all right? Same here. Enjoy the weekend, all right. bro. All right now. All right. So I'll see you. Sounds good, man. All right. Sounds good.
your last time seeing them, right? Anybody have any awkward moments during this time? During this series? Any other ones? Oh, come on. I know you did. I've been around you. So, yeah. All right. How is everybody? Good? Wow, this is real high here. I'll move it. I'll move it over there. Okay. So, uh, today we are finishing our series called Be Awkward. Be Awkward. And remember I started with, with uh, smaller pots up here, the, the very first part of the series. Remember that? How many remember that? Anybody remember it? Okay. And what were we talking about during that time? You remember? Planning and what? Watering. Okay. I want to make sure. I want to make sure everybody's awake. Everybody's awake, right? Everybody's awake? I'll do it again. See? I'll do it again. I told you. Okay. There we go. You guys really paid attention when I did this the other week, so I, I figured this might be a regular. I'm going to move to fire hose if you don't wake up more. So. All right. So, but we were talking about our job is to plant and to water and, we, and, that, and not, to, not to cause it to grow. That's whose job? God's job. Right. Okay. So, we are, and, and then last week, we adjusted with some other things. So, la- first week was, we talked about being, being um, relevant and planning and, water, uh, planning and watering that, and being relevant in a world where people don't believe that Jesus or the church is relevant at all. Week two, which was last week, we talked about being real. Remember, we talked a, li- a lot more about being real and what it means to be real. And I gave you some homework. Do you remember what homework I gave to you? To write your story. And I get- told you to do it in how many pages? One. Very good. One. And um, I'm not going to ask people to raise your hand because you may have to lie in church. And I don't want to do that to you, um, if you if you didn't do it. But I hope you will. And you'll see me even more importantly today why you needed to go ahead and do that. And today we're going to talk about be, to be ready. How we're going to be ready. Because if we go ahead and we're relevant and we plant and water. And then we go ahead and we're real in who we are and how we connect. And we have our story but then we aren't ready for it, and when it happens, we go, oh, we freeze. Anybody have one of those moments in life where you think you're ready for something, and you just kind of oh, freeze, and, and something, something happens? I remember coaching junior league football. You would do all these drills, and, uh, and even high school football, and you'd have the, the one kid who maybe hadn't played that much, and the drills, there'd be a dummy there, not a, not a kid who's a dummy, but a dummy, and they would go ahead, and they'd be hitting it, they'd be hitting it, hitting it, and then you put them against somebody, and Wyatt's going to smile now because Wyatt never stopped. But they, you would have them there, and they'd be sitting there, and the kid would look across to somebody like Wyatt, and I'd say, don't stop, because if you stop, you're going to get the full force of it. And what would the kid do? Stop. They'd get ready. I'd say, you ready? Set. They'd start, and they'd take one step forward and go. And Wyatt would get a big grin on his face as he annihilated the kid and all this equipment went somewhere. Um, and that's what would happen. So if we get all prepared and, and we aren't ready when the time comes, we wasted a lot of what we need to do. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, how to be ready in the midst of all, all this stuff today. So, so let's suppose that someone comes to you, somebody you've been involved in the watering and planning part of it, and they come to you and they say, how do I get right with God? All right. Now, has anybody ever asked you that question? How do I get right with God? What would you say? What would you do in that point? Because you know that whatever you say or do at that moment has eternal significance. And so you may be like freezing at that moment and panicky. One of the things that we do know 
in Romans 1, 16, it tells us, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So we have a problem, though, as I shared about last week, and if you missed last week, by all means, check it out online or on, on our um, app. We live in an area where approximately 70-80% of the people don't go to church. And in my experience, most of the people that you come across are not going to say, you know, I realize I'm a sinner and I need salvation through Jesus Christ. Can you tell me how to do that? And they're not going to do that in this area because of just the basic statistics that we talked about last week. Why don't most people ask? And I really believe that most people in the United States and in our area don't ask. is because they already believe that they're saved or going to heaven by being an American. All right? And one of the things that they do that is because they may say things like this. I went to Sunday school. Um, or I went to, my mom and dad always, or my grandmother always took me to VBS when I was there. I was an acolyte or an altar boy when I was younger. I, I went to church on Christmas and Easter. Remember the name? Priesters? Remember that? And that's awesome. I love when people come because it's always an opportunity for Christ to connect to them. You may, they may say, I'm a good moral person. I live out the golden rule. I try the best that I can to live well. Or they may say, I'm an American. God bless America. Right? Many Americans that we find out, and we talked a little bit about this last week, say that they are spiritual that they're spiritual, and they may even call themselves Christians when it comes to checking a box. But as we see from statistics, most of our population throughout the United States and in this area are not fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. So the question that we need to ask today is, how do we talk to them without feeling awkward? In other words, how can we share our faith without being afraid, let's use that word, okay, or being awkward? And so I'm going to give you several things today, and we're going to work through it. There's a lot of blanks today, because I want to wrap this up, because I'm going to walk with you on sharing your story. All right? Everybody good? You good? I got a hose. Okay. So here we go. Um, the first thing that we're going to experience when we, when we share our faith is we need to ex- anticipate difficulties. Everybody say difficulties. We need to anticipate difficulties. Why? Because not everyone will be thrilled and excited about what you're talking to them about. Not everyone is so excited about you talking about Jesus. Not everyone is so excited about hearing what you have to say. But don't get discouraged because people are at different places in their spiritual journey. Different people are at different areas in their spiritual understanding. Our job is to do what? What's our job? To plant, so we're gonna, we can plant. Let me see, let me get some seeds open here. Our job is to plant, right? So we put some seeds, we plant, we plant, we plant, right? And to do what else? Water. What? Water. I didn't hear you. Water. All right, there we go. So, all right, we're going to water, all right? So we water a little bit, Correct. All right, so plant and water. So we planted and watering. That's our job to do. Keep planting, keep watering. Keep planting, keep watering. Keep planting, keep watering. Now, I want to take you to a verse of Scripture today, which is the reason uh, Lincoln wants to get up here, don't you, buddy? He's like, yes, I'm back in the front row. Everybody else is moving. That's how you know you're old. You're old when you want to get away from it. You're young when you want to get to it. Um, All right, so... I want to read to you, and if you have your Bibles or, your, or you have the Bible on an app, I want you to go with me to Matthew 13. It's also going to be on your screens, and it's also printed in your bulletin for you today. 
Okay, Matthew 13, we're going to begin with verses 3 through 9. And Jesus often told parables, which were stories that enabled people to understand the deeper things of God. And so here's what he says in Matthew 13, 3 through 9. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to do what? Sow his seed. Now, in, in our terminology, what was he doing? He was planting. That's what we say. He was planting seed, planting seed. So he went ahead. The farmer's going out. He's sowing his seed, planting it out there. And back then, they didn't have like those little things, you know. They would cast it, reach in. Anybody ever planted grass? What do you do? You reach in, you toss. You reach in, you toss, unless you have one of those little spreaders. But the old school, reach in and toss, reach in and toss, right? Right? Okay. And so as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the, the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Okay, is what he says. Now, stop. Now, at this point here, there's a little break in between. He he goes ahead. He talks to some people, does some things. Then he goes to the disciples. And the disciples say, Jesus, and this is the gospel according to Jack, what the heck were you talking about? All right? What's all this seed scattering, rocks, stuff? So picking up in verse 18, he says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in their hearts. This is a seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a really short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to excuse me, refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now, what I believe here, this is a great little thing, and if you're a farmer, it's, it's really awesome. But it's more important, it's not just talking about soil, it's talking about what I believe, the conditions of people's hearts when you share the word of God with them, the good news of Jesus Christ, and when we share our faith. The first one is the soil that fell on the path. And here you go. See, it's part of a path. And so I can put as many seeds as I want on here. I can plant I can sow, 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 and I can also, so I'm going to put it there. I can put it in a nice pot if I want to, and I can water, I can water, and what's going to happen? Nothing. It's either going to wash away or birds are going to come and take it. What Jesus says here is in this case, this is where someone hears the word, but they won't receive it. It's someone who has a hard heart. A hard heart. Anybody know anybody who has a hard heart? Have you ever known somebody? And there's often been people in our lives who've had soft hearts, but something happened in their life, and it became like this. You can't get in no matter what you do. You can't get in, you know? And usually if you try to take a jackhammer to get in, it breaks apart, right? 
So it, you can't get into what's in here. So this one is, they won't believe because of the hardness of their heart. And they believe, often the people in this deal, believe that they have absolutely no need for God. And so what ends up happening, you're sowing, you're watering, and nothing's happening at all. They won't have anything. Their life's just fine without God. Then there's another one. Another one where you're sowing some more and you're sowing some more seeds and yet it's in a rocky soil. It's in a rocky soil. You're sowing and you're watering, you're watering, you're watering and you know you can even get it to where you see the water and nothing's happening. Well, at first it'll, it might start to grow up just a little bit and these are people that there might be like a thin layer of topsoil so it starts to grow but then when the, the heat is on, when the sun comes on and it starts to, to hit on it, it has no root because it's so rocky, it, can't, it needs soil to be in. And what happens to it? When that sun comes up, it does what? It starts to wither away and dries right on up. And so you have this problem. And these are people who hear the word and receive it. Sometimes, and I can tell you, I've been, I've been a, a part of a, a church from, I'll talk about this in a little bit, from the time I was born, and I've been in youth groups, and I've been a pastor for 20 years, and I've seen all these different things. And I, and I could write volumes about people who during difficult times in their lives are looking for something, and people have been planting and, and watering and planting and watering, and they start to grow in their life, making maybe an emotional decision. It's a time of life where they're, they're going through some transition or struggles, and they hear the word, they receive it, and when the times get tough, they start to believe that, well, I'm a Christian. If I'm a Christian, then everything should be hunky-dory, and I should have no problems, and, and everything should be wonderful, and my kids should not be hellions, and my, my uh, husband should be honorable, and my, my job should love me and give me every bit of promotion that you ever could, and everything should be wonderful, and I should be skipping through the daisies. But it's not like that. As, and I don't know where we got that point in. We got that as, in part of this prosperity gospel that likes to go around in, in the, the United States. As I read the scripture, every single follower of Jesus Christ, of the disciples, except for John, died a martyr's death. They lost their lives for following Christ. So as I realized, because of what Jesus did, he gave up his life, right? So why should I think I'm greater than Jesus and the other 12? I'm not. The whole deal is that it, that hardship means that I have a Savior who can get me through that. And I can grow. But what happens is when we put ourselves in the rocky soil and it's got a little bit of topsoil, but it's rocky, what ends up happening is times get tough and the heat's on. We compromise ourselves and crumble away. And then we have this one right here. The thorny area. Now it's got some good soil around it and we can... We can water in that, too. We can put some good water in there, and it looks really good. And, you know, one of the things I've found about, like, uh, some things like this, uh, anybody heard of, I think it's called primrose. It's that white stuff that's thorns. Did you know that somebody thought it was beautiful and brought it over from Europe? Everybody glad about that now? That stuff goes like wildfire, doesn't it? And it chokes out everything else. All, huh? From, from all the roses, is that what it's called? Yeah, and it chokes out everything, doesn't it? It just... For fencing, it does a good job, doesn't it? <laughs> All right? That just grows everywhere. Anybody ever bought a bad uh, batch of topsoil and had thistle? You can't get rid of it, can you? It just keeps going and growing and growing and going and going and going. And so what we have, we have this situation. This is what I believe a crowded heart. A crowded heart. And 
That's what the thorns are. Where you hear the word of God, you receive it, but how many of you think you have a busy life? Honestly, how many think my life is busy? Raise your hand. All right? So many of us have busy lives, and what happens is we have so many things that drag us away from everything else in life. So let's say, as the scripture says, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth it grows, but the thorns start to choke, get out. They grow quicker. And so what we find out in life is faith takes time to develop, but it's really easy to get bad stuff to develop in your life, isn't it? Like you realize, like I said, 20 years as a pastor, I've been on this earth for 45 years. I've worked hard to go ahead and have a pretty decent reputation, depending on who you talk to. Um, and I see you, Danny. Um, so I, I can do that. But you know what I can do? I can destroy all that in one act or two acts. Right? Am I right? I, I was watching that OJ Made in America, and I was talking about how he was beloved, and just, if I said, ladies and gentlemen, OJ Simpson is here, what are you going to do? Many of us are going to go, mm, right? Because of what comes along with that now, right? And so, I can destroy it all at once. The thorns grow like that when the fruit takes a while to develop, and that's what happens here. It grows, when it, and, and it grows immediately, but the thorns grow quicker than the Christian faith. We already have very busy lives, and we're all stressed out. You add Jesus to our max schedule, and we don't get rid of anything else. Our time, our schedule, our priorities get so tight that what I see so many times, when people get busy, I've known people who've sat in church and sat in church and been so involved in church, and then all of a sudden... Other things happen in life. I've known people who've come to church and prayed for jobs, prayed for jobs, prayed for, prayed for healing and restoration and all kinds of other things. And when those things start to work out, the first thing that starts to go out is the relationship with Christ. They start to go away from church. They'll miss one week. They'll miss another week. Before you know it, they missed a year. Before you know it, they were involved in all kinds of small groups and all kinds of other ministries. And then before you know it, here they go. They miss, oh, well, we had something to do this weekend. Oh, well, we had this. Oh, we had that. Our lives are busy. Look at the person next to you and say, you're too busy not to have Jesus in your life. If you are busy, you need to carve out room for Jesus. If you don't have room for Jesus, we're all in trouble. And more and more and increasingly more and more we live in a society where we have time for everything else. We carve time for everything else. We do everything else. And yet, when it comes time for Jesus, our lives, our hearts are crowded. And the last one that we have, so we have these several hearts now. Then the last one that we have here is the good soil, where we plant and we, we water, and what do we end up happening? We end up having a receptive heart, a receptive heart. They hear the word, they receive it, they understand it, they apply it to their lives, and they bear fruit. And bear fruit means that they have a tremendous impact for Jesus Christ and where they are. So why am I telling you this parable? Because I wanted to bring the hose back out. You're exactly right. No, I, I, I'm telling you this parable because I want to tell you something. The sower, this faithful person sowing, had a one in four success rate. 25% of who he shared with had an impact on. So what I'm here to tell you is don't get discouraged. You're not going to win everybody. Don't get discouraged at all because this person that Jesus is talking about had a 25% success rate. If you had that in business, you'd be in trouble. If 25% of McDonald's 
were making money, what would they do with the other 75%? Shut them down, right? So Jesus tells us that you're going to have these things. So what do we do? If we're laboring, we don't stop, we don't stop uh, sowing and, and planting and watering. We don't stop that. But we spend our time with the receptive heart. We spend most of our time with the receptive heart. We look for the receptive heart. Last week, I gave you some indicators of who are those people that you can find in receptive heart. And there are people that go through crisis and change. Because when we go through crisis and change, we are more open to, to things. Remember nine, some of you remember 9-11. You remember people flocked to churches because they didn't have the answers. And you know, what, you know what I'd like to say sadly? The church didn't have the answers for them because we played church rather than being the body of Christ. Someone, you, you know, this is why many times in your life you will say, hey, why don't you go to church with me? Hey, you want to come to a small group? Hey, you want to join a Bible? Hey, why don't we hang out? Why don't you go to men's group? Why don't you go to women's group? That kind of stuff. And they say, no, no, no. And then all of a sudden somebody will come around and say, hey, why don't you go to church with me? And they say, okay. And you're like, what? Remember, Paul said, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God caused it to grow. Because maybe at that time, and I believe that person was going through change or transition in their lives. But it, was, it wasn't that your planning or watering was for naught. No, it was just the right time that this person was there. So that's number one. Number two. First thing is anticipate difficulties. Number two. Listen to their story. Listen to their story. Everybody say listen. Everybody say listen. Okay, good. Listen. That is one of the hardest things for anybody to do. So many people, have you ever been in a conversation with someone and they're telling you something and then all of a sudden you're like, you realize you're not paying, it's like you're talking to Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 right? And you're like, you're thinking about the next thing you're going to say. It's one of our dying arts that we don't just listen to people. But listen to their story. And some of the ways that we do that are very non-threatening. For instance, we say to somebody, hey, tell me about your life. Tell me, tell me about you. People, people we, in the, that's one of the good things about a narcissistic society. People will tell you about themselves. They love to tell you about themselves. So you can go ahead, and people will talk to you for hours about themselves. But ask them about their story. Tell me about your story. Oh, where did you grow up? Tell me. People will tell you. And I found out that when you get to the faith journey, you will find out that people have um, four categories of the story that I have in your, in your bulletin for you after you listen to the story. You will find out that people will have no church experience. No church. When you talk about Jesus, they'll go, huh? I've never heard that before. And I, we get confused because we say, wait a second, aren't we a Christian nation? Don't we have Christian books, Christian TV, Christian music, Christian devotionals? We can even get Christian email. We get Christian radio. We got Christian schools. We got Christian apps. We got Christian everything. We got Christian t-shirts. Right? We got everything Christian that we possibly can. And you don't know about this? Anybody shocked by that? But we're not. Remember last week I told you we're not a Christian nation. We can say we are, but when the numbers are a quarter of the population is active in Christ, we're not. So believe it or not, you will and I have connected with people that have no church experience. One of the things I played in my sociology class this year, I was in class and I went ahead and I said, okay, two truths, one lie. Anybody ever done that? We were trying to say if we could tell a lie, if somebody was lying, with like micro-expressions, and to see if they would do those things. So we had people telling lies. And this one girl said, I've never, ever been into a church. 
And everybody said, that's a lie. And she said, no, I've never, ever been into a church. This is a 20-year-old girl. Never, ever been to church. Not a funeral, not a wedding, not a VBS, not a Sunday school, not a church service, nothing. Nothing at all. So we're not shocked that these are right in our own community. So we will find out that the first one is no church. The next one, which I'm sure many of you, I want to hear your guttural reaction, bad church experience. There we go. Bad church. Anybody had a bad church experience? There you go. Bad church. They've experienced church, but they've had a bad one. They used to go. They'll tell you, I used to go, but something happened that my trust was broken. Could have been by a fellow group member. Could have been by friends. Could have been that you put faith in a pastor whose lifestyle fell or they shared something that you shared personally with them. And from my experience, these are some of the most difficult people ever to reach because they committed and people failed them. For years, they won't even approach the topic or even think about it. They actually get angry about it. So we have no church, bad church. We have good church. I feel like I'm doing a Dr. Seuss. No church, bad church, good church. Okay, here we go. Um, You say, hey, did you ever go to church? And they say, oh, man, boy, did I. Where I used to live, I had a great experience in church. And, And they talk fondly about how the relationship was and how they went. And your question is, then why the heck aren't you there now? Why aren't you in church now? And maybe it's a transition life. Maybe they moved in from some other place, and they were so connected to a church. I talked to somebody at a gym one time. He said, yeah, we kind of bounced around, but our church in Pennsylvania where we grew up, it was just like family, and we were so close, and they just couldn't reconnect again. And what you'll find out is they might be willing to go if you ask them, if you help shape that, and you bring other people and connect with them. They just weren't connected. And the last thing, as we have, we have no church, bad church, good church, and re-church. Rechurch. Went as a young person in college, fell away, moved or moved away, or just got disconnected. And often they're interested, depending upon the age or stage in their lives. So my question is, how would you invite someone to Haven Church? You can tell them these things that I kind of tell them. At Haven Church, we are dressed up in shorts and even pajamas. We're like at Walmart. Right? <laughs> yeah, there we go, right? I'm proud of them. You know, people will wear anything to Walmart. We could have people of Haven Church. That'd be a good <laughs> website. But so, in other words, come as you are. Come as you are. Um, we have really good music. We're blessed with Wayne as our worship leader. And, and you know, when somebody's gone or, or we have a transition, there's always somebody who pops in and and does awesome, and uh, um, we've seen that over the last weeks and months and years here. Um, we have a wide range from um, secular to religious to country to you name it. Um, the next thing I tell them is the pastor is very young and good-looking, is a GQ model. <laughs> and I don't tell them that because they'll be shocked and they'll say I'm in the wrong church. Um, but um, what I do tell them is um, the messages will relate to everyday life. There's something that you can connect and hear that I hope that you will hear something the Word of God says and it will apply to your life this week. Um, I tell them if they have kids, we have great workers and, young peop- and for young people who are working with our youth now um, that love them and are committed to them and will do the best job. And they're safe and they're secure and they'll have awesome. And finally, the best thing to do is for you to share just what you like about Haven Church. And there. So that's, a, that's the second thing. We listen to their story. Then you get an opportunity to talk. Everybody say talk. You got to talk now. After they share their story, say, ah, thanks a lot. Bye. You know, we don't do that. No, you get to share your story. That's why I told you to write it down. Write down your story. Keep it simple, stupid, right? 
kiss. Keep it simple, stupid. One page, you have it there. You can share the difference that Jesus made in your life. For some people, you have the story that I did not grow up in church. I did not grow up as a Christian. Anybody like that? In here, didn't go to church, didn't grow up as a Christian. I see some people that are in here. And, you know, you may have been in the church, but you weren't really into Christianity. And you share the difference Christ made in your life. And then others of you (coughs) are like me. You were raised in the church. From the point you took your first breath, you came to church in uh, in that first week of birth. And you came in. And you wish you had a, a, a rags-to-riches story in God. I wish I had that I had this and I lost all my money and Jesus restored it to me. I wish I had that, don't you? But i got to tell you, and you say, I don't have a story, but I'm going to tell you, yes, you do. Because guess what? I think in many times, it's harder for people who have been raised in an environment and heard about Jesus from the time they were born to really recognize the simple fact that I had to come to in my life. I couldn't make it to heaven on my parents' faith. I couldn't make it to heaven on my grandmother's faith. That I had to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. And I had to come to that point in my life. I needed my own relationship. And I'm going to tell you, no matter who you are, your story has power. Your story has power. Because number one, it's non-threatening. And number two, they can't argue it's not real because it's your story. You're not trying to convert somebody It's all part of the planning and watering process. Remember what I said? Four things you write in your story. Don't glorify your past, even though sinning was fun at that point. Share the difference Jesus is making in your life now. Use one meaningful scripture verse and keep it to one page. Because when you do that, if you share, hey, well, I grew up as a pastor's son. I was brought into church. I, I was, uh, you know, I was at church all the time. I sang in the choir. We had, when we were little, we used to do devotions every time before anybody went anywhere. And I remember talking about when Jesus was coming back, and I thought, oh, I can't wait. I accepted Christ at age five at an altar in Christ Church in Federalsburg because I heard a guy did this kind of like felt drawing, chalk drawing thing, and I accepted him, and he told this story about a wise and foolish builder. And I didn't understand everything in my life, but guess what? I knelt at the altar of church, said this prayer, and from that point on, I tried to live a life of Christ. But then guess what? I became a teenager, and I lived next to the church, and I was the last person in Sunday school, right? I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to church. Then I went to college, and, and boy, let me tell you, I thought I was having a blast. But you ever heard the story of Jonah? Jonah, some people call it the whale or a great fish, and Jonah went ahead and was swallowed up, and guess what? He ended up vomiting on on a beach somewhere. I had a lot of Jonah moments. I had a lot of Jonah moments in my life. A lot of them that weren't good. That weren't good at all. But then I recognized that in in my life, I could say, I could give plenty of scriptures, but I could go ahead and say that that, uh, in Psalm 91 that shares that a thousand will fall to the left and 10,000 to the right, but those who dwell in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That may not make sense to you, but I remember one time when I was living my Jonah moment, how my dad one time told me, the Lord's never going to leave you, but one time he's going to let you go. And something that did in my spirit at that time, something it did, it sat in there. Oh, did I stop living as Jonah? No, I got bored with the belly and went to the tail. All right? And I had a lot of vomit on me when I came out and I was broken and I ended up being at school and I came home a broken person, not knowing a direction. Even at some points wishing that my life was over. But, you know, God did something really awesome. He restored my life. And he, he, gave me, he gave me love that I needed. I came home, and I, 
And I swallowed a lot of pride, and God surrounded me by a lot of people who love me. And by doing that, I, I felt that God wanted me to be a pastor. And believe me, by being a PK, nobody wants to be a pastor. <laughs> and I got to tell you, it started a, a time where God made everything. I, I even worked for a place and lost my job. But you know what? God was faithful in that, and I can see his hand in each of every day. I didn't have a relationship before, but when I came home during that part where I thought my life was falling apart, I met an incredible woman who became my wife, and we just celebrated 20 years of marriage. God went ahead then and, and, and called me to ministry, and I've been in ministry 20 years. And i got to tell you, it's been hell at times. But God has been faithful, and he has blessed me with five wonderful kids and a family. And I just hope, I just hope that I can share Jesus as those loving people did with me. There's my story. And guess what? People want to know more. They want, to know, they want to know more about the college years, don't they? <laughs> yeah. they, they all want to know about that. But guess what? The, the college years are there, but I can tell you what. It is the daily walk with Christ that sustains me, right? That's your story. Your story is powerful, and you can share these in many ways. It's your story. Know it. Share it. Be ready to share it. Now, I want to share with you a couple other things as we go on. The next thing is, then after you've done all this, you get to tell his story. This is what we're all building up to. You see how this is going? We get to share his story. We've listened to their story. We've shared your story. Now we get to tell the story. It's, someone once said, history is his story. It's God's story. And so I want to share you, I wanna, for those of you who are very analytical, I want to give you the book of Romans way to share. And I put the uh, Bible verses in there for you. First way you start with this is you go to, you say, let me show you the Bible. And you open up the Bible, you open up to Romans chapter 3, and you say, let me show you what the condition is. The condition is this. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means nobody, nobody ever has lived to God's standard. Not one person. Then you go ahead to Romans chapter 6, verse 23, which says, then you tell them, what is the penalty or what is the result of our sin? In Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wage of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. So we deserve death for what I do. I deserve death. So you talk to them a little bit about that and share the scripture. And then you say, but guess what? Here's what's really cool. A price has been paid for us. A ransom has been paid. Romans 5, um, 5, 8 says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. So here's what, here's what Jesus did. Je- Jesus said, I, you know, I deserve death. I'm on death row. And Jesus, and I, and I look and I see what the gift that God has given to me. He said, it's Jesus. And he says, hey, guess what? I paid for it. You can go free. It's like a person on death row that get, gets pardoned and doesn't deserve it. But then I get to go to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, <coughs> which tells me the response What's my response? If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So I've given them an opportunity to now respond. But then I get to say, but it doesn't stop there. Then it's about living and growing as a Christian. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Worship is not a time where we just come on Sunday and sing songs and pray and give offering and and listen to a message and look at a GQ model preaching at you. It's not what it's about. 
It's part of it, but it's about every, each and every day living as our whole lives as a form of worship. And then it says in verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed or have a metamorphosis of the renewing of your mind. Christians need to think differently about things. We need to think differently about things. And I'm going to tell you the biggest challenge to your faith is going to be this. It's going to be these two things that we hear in our culture, moralism and pluralism. Moralism means that I'm not that good, but I'm also not that bad. That I follow the golden rule and I treat people well. I'm not robbing anybody, not shooting anybody. I have good morals. And isn't that really what God wants us to do is just to be nice? Moralism is what people call spirituality. I'm a spiritual person. I'm good. But I'm not, I'm not really good, but I'm not really, really bad. And then pluralism is the other thing that people say. Really, don't all roads end up leading to God? Everyone get there at the end that God says, ah, Mulligan, go ahead. Religion and spirituality are spelled this way. Do. That I've got to do more good things on my list of life than better. I've got to do that by the end of the day, by the end of the week, by the end of the month, by the end of the year, and by the end of my life. But here's the problem with that. I don't know when I'm going to die. So I don't know when I can do things. I could drop dead right here and had done some very bad things. This is a problem. The problem is, how do I know whether I'm good enough? And I want to show you this illustration here that's going to show you something and hopefully help a little bit. And let me move this around like this. It's a really simple illustration that's here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put God, you can do this on a piece of paper, a napkin, an iPad, anything else you want. So we're going to put God up at the top that this is the, the, the I'm going to use a kid's term, goodest, right? This is the most good that you could ever have right here, God. Everybody got that? So the most good. And then I'm going to go ahead and let me think of, here, I'll, I'll, make it, I'll make it darker here, here so that we can see that. There's our line, okay? And I, I want to think of some people who I think are really good in life, really good. So let's say and that have lived their life. So let's say the Pope. The Pope now, people really look at as being somebody who's active in, in reaching the least of these. He, he really loves the Lord. So we'll just put, but, but you know, knowing if I, you know, I, I haven't talked to him lately, like ever. But if I did, I wouldn't say, I'm sure the Pope would not say, yeah, I'm perfect. <laughs> he would say, you know, yeah, I, I do some good things. I've committed my life to Christ, but there's still some things that I don't do that are right. So I'm going to. I'm going to put myself on this list of this being the worst and this being the best. I'm going to put myself somewhere in there, all right? So let's think of somebody else. What about somebody that, that Protestants always think of, Billy Graham, right? Billy Graham, who has probably reached more people for the kingdom of heaven than definitely the most in anybody in the 20th century that I know of. But Billy Graham, I've heard Billy Graham, and I've read him say that he is just a sinner saved by grace, and he is nothing if it wasn't for Christ. And, Billy, and actually, Billy Graham got saved because a girl asked him to go to church. Ladies, you hear that? A girl asked him to come to church. He went because he liked the looks of her, and he accepted Christ. So knowing Billy Graham, let's just put him right here. Billy Graham right here. So let's put Billy Graham there. And let's go ahead. Let's say Jack Cohen. He's really good. So, no, we'll put it here, and we'll put... Here's, here's Jack right here. You know, I've done some bad things, really bad things in life. And then what you simply do is say, 
Where do you think you are on the scale? And in my experience, most people put it right here. And you know what you say? You're in trouble. If you believe that you have to be good enough, you're in trouble. And guess what? So am I. And guess what? So is Billy Graham. And guess what? So is the Pope. That's a problem. That's a big problem. We can't come. But wait a second. You know, I want to share with you what, what the Bible says. It says that even while we were yet sinners, God proved his love toward us. And Jesus came. And Jesus is God's son, is God perfect, spotless, did, did not have, commit any sin. And he is all goodness. He and the Father, he and God are one, along with the Holy Spirit. And so, because I've accepted what he did on the cross, no mistake, that's there, right? Because of what he did here, now God looks at me through Jesus-colored glasses. So he doesn't see the Pope and Billy Graham and Jack and you under where we deserve. He sees me through the lens of Jesus. And because of that, I get to go to heaven and spend eternity with him. And I can have a fullness of life, recognizing that I deserve eternal death, but I have Jesus. Simple, huh? That's a story. That's a story. That's a love story. And somebody may say after this, how do I know Jesus cares for me? And then you go to the verse that I think most people know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, our one and only son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not have death that we deserve, but everlasting life. Jesus is that free gift of God given to us to pay our penalty. And then we move to this point, and this is the last things I'm going to share with you today. Their response. Their response. You will have a number of different responses. One person will say, you know what? I've never thought of that before. Or I've never even heard of it before. Some people will get nervous at this point and say, you know what? Can we talk later? I need to digest some of this. I need, to, I need to think about a lot of this stuff. They just may need to think about it, maybe not even nervous. Some will just say, I don't buy any of that crap. I don't buy it. That's just ancient history. I don't want to hear it. And then others will say, you know what? I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. So then what do you do? You call me. No, here's what you do. Then you go ahead and I'm going to share with you real briefly, and then we're going, to, we're going to wrap this up. In Acts chapter 2, 29 through 41, I'm not going to read it all. But at this point, this is the first sermon that was preached, and it was preached by the Apostle Paul, I mean by Apostle Simon Peter. And people are gathering, and it says, Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here today. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. And what's interesting, where they were is right where the tomb of David was, and people were filling the area and came to see it. He said, seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah that was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are witnesses of that fact. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. So what do we do? Here it is in verse 36. Therefore, all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. 
our Savior. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, here it goes, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter gives you the answer, and it's the answer that we have to give. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off. That's us. And for all whom the Lord will call. With many other words, he, he, um, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000, that's a good day at church, isn't it? About 3,000 were added to their number that day. So what do we have to do? We have to do a couple things. Our response is to hear. That's what you've been doing, sharing. Hear. When they say, I'm ready, believe. Want to hear and believe. Repent. Repent's one of those scary church words, right? It just means about face. It means that we're headed in a direction, we just turn and go the other way. In other words, we're headed to this direction where the world's taking us down the path. We need to stop and turn and head toward Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so we head to Jesus. And then the last thing is, be baptized. Be baptized. Why? Because it's a, it is the one image that we have in the church of a symbol of Jesus, death and resurrection. Showing that you have a new life in Christ and it's a sacrament. Now next week, next week we have an opportunity that we do once a year officially as a church. I've done it before. I did it in February one time with your brother. He was home. It's cold in February just to let you know. But if somebody wants to get baptized, I'll cut a hole in the, wall, in the ice if somebody wants to make that commitment to their lives. So next week, you have an opportunity to tell everybody in the world. You have an opportunity to share what I shared with you today with somebody this week. And next week, to come to church and then afterwards say, hey, I have done that stuff, and I'm repenting, and I am believing, and I have heard, and now I want to be baptized. And I don't care whether it's me or you going in with it. We get very churchy and say, oh, the preacher's got to do that. It says... All of you, go and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Wouldn't you love it if they had a pool set up at Walmart and it rained and we're just dunking people out there because we're so on fire for Jesus? I think it was cool that you see pictures of Desert Storm. They dug a hole in the sand, laid a tarp down, and were baptizing people in the desert. Next week, you have an opportunity to do exactly this, to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've been on a journey and your life hadn't been heading well and you want to make a, a, a return, a repent, and you want to head back in a direction toward them, toward Jesus, and make that commitment. We'll go ahead and do it. I'll be there. If you want somebody else to come in with you, awesome. If they're dressed in their best Sunday clothes and they're there and you say, I want you to come, get in there. Go buy some other clothes. Right? Because nothing that we have, the greatest thing that can ever happen is if someone who has this heart becomes this heart. Or somebody who has this heart becomes this heart. Or someone who has this heart. It happens by planning. Planning. And he says, we don't stop planning here. We don't stop watering. We don't stop planning. We don't stop watering until God causes it to grow. So as the worship team comes up today, which I'm going to join them today, you guys need to plant. And you need to water. Come on, Link. Get it up here. Here he goes. Come on. Hey, come here. Ready? Lincoln, come here. Hey. 
Sorry. <laughs> okay. Plant and water. Plant and water. Plant. You know what's awesome? That little boy, that night that I did this, understood what was going on here. He loves the water, but I guarantee you, when he grows up, he's going to remember this, and, ho- and I know that he's going to remember to plant and water. Not just in a garden, but in the garden of life, because there are people in your lives who need that. All right? We good? Get up. Also, um, just to let you know, some of, the, um, some of our Stephen ministers are going to be available, as they always are, up here for prayer. But we recognize some people just really feel that they need um, prayer, but they don't want to go all the way up front. Um, that we will have um, some of our Stephen ministers, a Stephen minister out in the back, if you'd like to go ahead and pray and, and just connect to them. And, and that's what we're here for. Use this as an opportunity. If you're here today um, are just wondering where, where you need to be and... And, you know, so what's your response? That's our takeaway. What's your response to Jesus? I'm not going to assume that everybody in here has a positive, healthy relationship with Christ. Where are you in this area? Where's your heart in this area? Something may have happened, and you might have had a a heart that's full of good soil and receptive, and something may have happened in your life that one of those church experiences that you may be back in in the pavement area, whatever it is. Use this opportunity. So let me pray with you today. Lord God, we once again come to you, and I ask that everybody who's here today just meet you where they are, and they connect in the way you want them to be. Wherever the heart is, God, you, uh, you soften that heart and just show them that you love them. I recognize none of us is good, not anyone, not good enough to, to achieve heaven, not good enough to be called the Savior of the world. But we thank you that you love us so much, that you gave your life up for us, and that you are here to save us. Whatever it is, God, we just lift it up before you now, and I ask that we don't just stay in our seats, but that whatever we need, struggles or whatever, that pain, sorrow, whatever it is, God, that we reach out to somebody and pray together. For where two or three are together, so are you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, Jack, it was funny you mentioned pajamas, because I was a... Yesterday, I was, God kind of gave me a vision of, like, the church wearing pajamas. And I don't know, you know, I, I thought he was saying, tell the church to wear pajamas next Sunday. You know, and I didn't know, you know, you know. So so who here would wear pajamas? If I said next Sunday is pajama day, who would wear pajamas to church? <laughs> so if you raised your hand, that means you are willing to be awkward for Jesus, right? Uh-huh. I have so, pink bunny pajamas. All right, like so. Christmas story. Ralphie. So if you guys want to wear pajamas next Sunday at church, you know what? Awesome. Go ahead and do it, you know. Be awkward for Jesus. Obviously, you guys got to change. If you guys sleep naked, I don't want to see that. But nothing. your underwear, not that either. No Superman underoos or whatever you wear, Jack, whatever that is. Who would do that? Huh? (laughs) That's my message. If you guys are willing to do that, you're willing to be awkward. And you're willing to be awkward for Christ. You know, go out there and, and sow a seed. You know, go out there and spread that message and uh, bring somebody to church. You know, ask somebody if they want to be baptized. You know, we're going to do it next Sunday. It's a great time to, to recommit yourself to, to, that, to that life of Christ and that walk. You know how many people Amen. would be freaked out with people with uh, 
with bunny pajamas on going in to be baptized. That would be awesome. Yep. That would be awesome. I love it. God's awesome, right? All right, give me a beat. Put your hands again.
All right, all right. Everybody good? All right. Before I tell you happy Father's Day, next week's message right here. There it is right there. What does it say? That one thing. That one thing. So it's kind of funny when Wayne came up with a, with a song, One Thing Remains. That one thing. Everybody say that one thing. Everybody say that one thing. All right. Have a happy, happy Father's Day. And next week we're going to talk about that one thing. Say hi to somebody. All right. <laughs>